Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Right now in fast oil slick, crude crumbling down over 10% this week. A host of other commodities falling too. Does this slide add fuel to the fears that a recession is looming? Plus power outage of Tesla. Shares now falling over 20% this month. The chart master is here to update his sell call on the EV maker. Lacing him up at the Foot Locker, the stock popping after an earnings beat and a better than expected outlook. And Taylor Swift seeing red over the Ticketmaster debacle for her new tour. The impact her bad blood Instagram story had on Live Nation. That's coming up. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq Market Site on the desk tonight. Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, Jeff Mills, and Tim Seymour. And we are awaiting, we should note, the sentencing of former Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes. You're looking at a live shot of the courthouse in San Jose, California, where the sentencing will be delivered imminently. We'll bring you the headlines as soon as they cross. But first to the markets here. We start off with crude oil getting crushed. Prices on WTI falling below the $80 mark for the first time since late September today as recession fears mount. The commodity putting in its worst week since April. The move lower taking oil stocks along with it. Cotera, Marathon. On oil, Baker Hughes all down more than 5% this week. And it wasn't just energy. King Copper dropping more than 7% this week. Resource names like Freeport, McMoran, Cleveland Cliffs, and Albemarle all posting losses as well. So is this a sign that there's even more pain to come for the economy? Or is this a trade that just lost some momentum? Karen, what do you think? Uh, I think the energy part might just be a trade that lost momentum, although you could point to other signs of a recession. I'm not sure. But I, th- I, I feel like the move in energy was so big in such a short amount of time that even if the fundamentals were still there, mm-hmm. which they very well may be, that it just was so, so much you had to take some money off the table. Right. So I wish I took more off the table. Well, you piece this together with what the yield curve is telling us in terms of this inversion that we've been witnessing with China getting uh, pretty strict on COVID lockdowns in the Beijing area, Tim. And, and you might think that maybe there is a slowdown looming here. The, the, the data we're getting on oil demand is not one that tells you it's falling off a cliff here. And if anything, I think we're finding that it's much more resilient. And, and China reopening, to me, at this point, is, is a delta that's been the market's been trading on up or down, but but the reality is China will reopen at some point. The global economy is slowing. We're we're all you know handicapping to what point, but uh, aggregate oil demand is probably two percent next year, and, and that's on the downside. And it really gets back to where equity, energy, excuse me, energy equities are actually trading and being priced for. And we talk about this all the time. The analyst community has probably got $70 or less in terms of the curve that they're pricing against. I, I would look more broadly at, at other commodities. I would look at scrap metal prices, scrap steel prices. I would look at, uh, you know, I'm actually short steel. Uh, I do think that resource companies, while I say all the time are run better, are, we're in a cycle here where I, I don't think resource companies are, are necessarily going to see the kind of demand that they had coming out of the crisis. But, but not yet have we heard it fall off the table. A lot of this has also been a function of the dollar trade. So I, I'm somewhere in the middle. I think there is a lot of cyclicality in this trade, but I don't think that the energy pricing this week is a reason to get out of this trade. I am buying weakness in energy equities. 
Mm-hmm. Are you Jeff Mills? And we're showing the copper chart. We've been showing the copper chart down 7% this week. So it's not just oil alone. Uh, it's the commodity complex that's sort of telling the same story. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to take some from this relative to the macro economy, right? I mean, you can't have the central banks hiking as much as they have. You can't have inflation coming down without seeing some impact on the commodity complex in general. But, you know, relative to energy, there are still some pretty good charts there. So look at Exxon, look at Chevron. You know, they're above those June highs. You know, they're retesting now. I think whether they hold or not is going to be important. But pay attention to that. But and Karen alluded to this, too. You know, this has been sort of a mean reversion rally. I think really driven by false hope of a Fed pivot or lower interest rates or whatever you want to call it. But the worst 20 percent of stocks year to date, they were down something like 60 percent before this most recent rally. They're up 20 percent during this most recent rally. And it's been the best stocks, the energies of the world that haven't really done much. So I think that you can still stick with this trade, uh, even though the economy is slowing down. I think the supply demand dynamics in energy specifically are still going to support the commodity enough that earnings hold up to support the current valuations. You know, Jeff, you mentioned the Fed pivot, and what entered my mind is that you can make both a bull and a bear case for the economy with the fall in oil. You can say either the Fed is going to pivot, so inflationary pressures ease, and so oil prices and other commodities come down, or the Fed does not pivot, we go into a deeper recession, and commodity prices come down. So, Steve Grasso, what was your call on on oil before? Because I remember you made it, and and jaws dropped on the desk because it was just, it seemed so off at the time. Yeah, it was, it was back when WTI was in the 120s, and I said $65 a barrel oil by year end. So I think it has a lot to do with the dollar. Um, but sometimes it's correlated. Sometimes it's not correlated. So you can't really trade off of that. I think right now it's trading off of, uh, off of recession worries. But if you look at all commodities, Melissa, lumber, wheat, cotton, heating oil, iron ore, everything is trading at the lower end of the 52-week range. So I think everything is in the process of, of, of factoring in recession right now. I think I'm going to give it a shot at 65. I don't want to you know, push it at the blackjack table here too long, but I think you're going to see oil really collapse on itself uh, in the next month and a half or so. Tim, you're the guy in Vegas, and you were shaking your head when Steve Ross was talking. Well, I, I, I don't think that energy demand is going to fall off a table that quickly, first of all. And, and I, I would get back to some elements of the economy that at least between now and, and by the way, you know, pushing back on Steve's argument doesn't mean that Steve's not right, that there aren't issues that, that I think we should be thinking about. But between now and year end, um, the consumer, like the unemployment rate is going to stay, stay well below 5%. The, the, the U.S. economy is, is not going to crater. So um, the, the issues around energy and, first of all, Brent and, and WTI prices are a function uh, more of both geopolitics and supply dynamics. And, and when you talk about energy equities, which are down, what, maybe 3% from all-time highs on a big move in oil? I mean, I, you know, that's not – and I think we're talking about multiple different things here. But when I think about where energy uh, dynamics are and the fundamentals and what they mean in the context of Fed hikes – I think they're actually two different trades, and, and I think we all agree that we still haven't really seen the headwinds from Fed hikes on the economy. Uh, I think there are dynamics within the energy sector that I don't see energy supply issues changing anytime soon. I don't think reinvestment or capbacks in the sector that's lacked over the last five years is going to change. I think the, uh, the companies themselves have been much more disciplined about that. That's both good for the equities, but it's good for the price. And so to me, there's a good floor under oil prices here. Whatever that number is, um, it's certainly a case where it's not going to collapse. 
How much does this help um, your view of the consumer, Karen, after mm -hmm. we got the terrible data point from Target the other day? Well, as a Target shareholder, uh, that was a terrible data point. The call was pretty terrible as well. But it does seem to be somewhat idiosyncratic to Target. Mm -hmm. I mean, right, Walmart, Walmart is a little bit different business in the groceries. Um, and so they just did a better job executing. Target still has some inventory issues. And, and I think the housing trade hit Target harder. Right. But I think all of these things coming down, all of these commodities, mm -hmm. that was partially what made home prices unaffordable, right? Everything going into the home, right. lumber, copper, everything, labor, all of that. Um, I do think labor is still really tight, but I think I think the how we are six months maybe ish from the housing trade bottoming, and so I don't know. I I, I feel like Target, they just kind of blew it. Yeah. Uh, meantime, let's get to Tesla here, continuing to drive lower in today's session, touching its lowest level in two years. Shares have been cut nearly in half this year alone, and the chart master is firm on his call: keep selling. So, Carter, what are the charts saying? Yeah, they, just sell. Yeah, they, sign, <laughs> they say kind of keep selling. But, uh, I mean, what a mess. Here, just a simple exercise. If you were just to find, we know almost everything is bound since October 13th. If you look over a broad aggregate like the Russell 3000, find stocks that are making new 52-week lows today. It's a very small group of a dozen or two. And this is not a small stock. Anyway, I have two charts at the exact same time frame. You can draw the lines any way you want, but if I think the lines draw themselves. I mean, what we have here, and this is sort of uh, very symmetrical, that Tesla has respected these lines, and now, of course, we are hovering right here at a break juncture. We actually undercut that low ever so slightly today. Let's look at the same thing and draw the lines a different way. And some people like to call their formations, name them. A head and shoulders is something that's been documented for uh, decades and decades, and that's what this is. Now, how to know how low it will go, the truth is uh, it's anybody's guess. But we close around 180, and I think certainly 150 is in the cards. Carter, is that line 180, do we actually breach that line? And I guess my question is, you know, if for some reason, you know, the stock manages to find enough oomph to get above that line, does it make you more... Um, confident maybe that there is hope that that line could actually be a floor for the stock? Sure. I mean, that's the nature. We did actually undercut it ever so slightly, and, and you can still save yourself, so to speak. But the real issue is, is, is twofold. One, it's just how poor the relative strength is. To, to have had almost all equities globally bounce for the better part of four weeks, five weeks straight, and to not participate means you're just not attracting buyers, which means people are looking at it, but buying something else. And then the second thing is, let's say it does start to bounce and it comes to life a little bit. There's so many people who are now trapped above who would love to be uh, out that you encounter overhead supply on any kind of rebound. It's just, uh, it's heavy. It acts poorly. All right, Carter, thank you. We'll see you shortly on Options Action. Uh, Steve Grasso, are you with Carter Worth? Sell it? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the chart as well as, as he was speaking, and the next area of support is 167. That brings you back to 2020 levels, and the, it could go as low, what I'm looking at is the mid-20s. So 167, stutter step support, down to 125. Jeff Mills? 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I've been saying to sell Tesla for a while, and I've been wrong, starting to look right. But listen, I think that maybe even some people looking to step into a stock like this saying, you know what, maybe we get a Fed pivot, maybe interest rates drop, and then you get a pop for some of these tech names. I just don't think that's the reality. Um, you know, the bond market now is pricing in the same peak Fed funds rate that it was prior to that soft CPI print. So for the bond markets, nothing has changed. So I would not be wading into names like this that look technically weak in hopes that we get some sort of uh, reversing course in, in interest rates. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I agree. I, I would sell Tesla here. The, I mean, another issue is that even if there is some sort of reprieve for tech stocks, Tesla might not fall into the category just because of all the other stuff that's going on with Elon Musk, Tim. Well, and, and also it, it's, it's an auto company, right? I, I mean, I, I thought if anything, we were going to be introducing the concept that auto companies have fallen under a lot of pressure. I realized GM had some positive comments this week about their EV business and et cetera, et cetera. And Ford and GM are well off their lows. Uh, but if you, you know, as a, as a guy who's long both of those stocks and think those fundamentals are great and those valuations are at least defendable, you, you, you can't tell me that Tesla uh, doesn't get you know, pushed around by the same auto trade and the heaviness we're seeing in the cyclicality. It, you go housing and then you go straight to autos in terms of where the Fed is impacting uh, the, the, the macro economy. And I would also just get to the, the, the marginal buyer of Tesla stock outside of institutions has been a retail investor. And, and if you see the, the fallout in some of the asset classes, including crypto and some of the high multiple tech, this is the group of folks that were defending Elon and defending the stock at all points. The three or four big rally points for Tesla over the last three years have been an S&P inclusion, a, a, a stock split, um, and of course, the good stuff, the, the profitability that got them into the S&P and production numbers, really the, the numbers that started to get them when they started talking about 500,000. And, and so some of those positives are, are things that clearly are in the price. I'm not sure what those positives really are going forward, especially when you consider the headwinds in the auto sector. All right, coming up, are sneakers going to be the hot ticket item this holiday season? Foot Locker's moves today suggest they might just be. We'll bring you the trade on that stock next. Plus, it is Friday, so you know we're cooking up a chart of the week for you. Our General Mills put this one on our radar. Stick around to find out what he is watching. And we are still, actually, we've got the Elizabeth Holmes sentence. Let's get straight to Scott Cohn, who's in the courthouse in San Jose. Scott. She will get 11 years, 11 years and three months. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes sentenced uh, after being convicted on four felony counts back in January in a lengthy, about four-hour sentencing hearing uh, here at U.S. District Court in San Jose, California, in the heart of Silicon Valley. Judge Edward Davila, who is a Silicon Valley native, he pointed out, talking about how he grew up here and how business used to be done with a handshake. And wondering whether Elizabeth Holmes was intoxicated by the fame, whether it was the hubris that uh, made her, made her uh, commit these counts of wire fraud that she was convicted of. But before that, a tearful appeal from Elizabeth Holmes herself, getting up on the stand, talking about how she was devastated by the failure of her company, about uh, how, she, how Theranos and her team meant the world to her, and about how she set out to change the world and is now seeking to change herself and to learn these lessons. But what she did not do in that tearful appeal, apparently, was to apologize to her investors or the patients that relied on the Theranos blood testing results. Of course, she uh, is planning to appeal this almost certainly, so that may be part of the reason why. But again, Judge Edward Davila uh, in San Jose 
ruling that, uh, that uh, at least $121 million lost by investors, uh, by more than uh, 10 victims in this case, and then that, that uh, gives Elizabeth Holmes a sentence, as what he says is on the low end of the federal sentencing guidelines, but just the same, uh, 11 years and three months in prison for Elizabeth Holmes. Guys? It could have been up to 20 years, Scott, um, so one might view it as, as a lighter sentence. Uh, do we know, you said before, that she's most likely to appeal, almost certain to appeal this. Will she serve right away or will she um, be at home for the appeal? We're waiting to hear about that. That's another thing that the judge will have to rule on. Um, uh, oftentimes in cases like this, they will let the defendant uh, stay free on bail pending an appeal, but uh, that's something that they'll be arguing about uh, as we speak right now. Uh, whether, but, but he does have the option of sending her directly to prison or, uh, or letting her stay free pending her appeal, which, as I said, is, is virtually certain. Also still to be decided is restitution here. The government wanted a 15-year prison sentence, so she got less than that. And the government also asked for $800 million in restitution. The judge said he's going to hold a hearing on that at a later date. One of the people that uh, the government says deserves restitution, or the entities that does, is the estate of George Schultz, the late Secretary of State, whose son worked at Theranos. George Schultz was, of course, a backer and a board member of Theranos. Uh, and, and, uh, and George Schultz's son, it was his grandson that worked at the company, his son got up and talked about what the family was put through as a result of all of this. George Schultz stuck with Elizabeth Holmes to the end. It left a, a big estrangement and a very difficult, uh, a very difficult episode that the company said, uh, that the family, I should say, uh, so they're happy to get behind them. But again, the whole question of restitution and, and everything else still to be determined. But Elizabeth Holmes now sentenced to, an, to 11 years in prison. All right. Uh, Scott, thank you. Scott Cohn at the sentencing of Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes. Interesting, given the backdrop, you know, we've had Trevor Milton of Nikola on his own fraud charges. We have now Sam Bankman-Fried, who could be facing similar charges. And what sort of message does this send uh, to founders who want to go the route of trying to fool investors? Yeah, not, not a good one, and particularly something healthcare related. But I know I'm going to get added for this, but I will say it anyway. I think she got a lighter sentence because she's a woman. She's pregnant think, with her second child. Okay. She yes. has a young child. Yes, home. yes. And they submitted, they submitted family photos to court uh, before the sentencing. So, so, yeah, there's a case to be made should the children be punished. And that's right. always an issue it's, for females. Yes. Not that it shouldn't be for men. It, yeah. it is. But I just think that that's one. So that's good for women, I guess. Lighter sentences. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. I guess okay. so. But this does show you, Tim, I mean, the message here is that uh, no matter how smart, quote unquote, the investor is, you always got to do your own due diligence. We've seen this with Theranos. I mean, think of the board. Scott was mentioning George Schultz on the board of this. He wasn't the only one in terms of luminary. Tim Draper was an investor, an early investor in right. Theranos. And then we have FTX. And think of the long list of, quote unquote, smart investors in that one as well. 
Well, if one smart investor did their work, seemingly another smart investor feels like they don't have to do their work, <laughs> right. and this is what happens. Uh, I also know that the cycle and the timing of this announcement uh, and this verdict and the sentencing is, is not necessarily, it's, it's more coincidental to what's going on. But boy, doesn't it seem, first of all, Scott, he does such great work. I feel like it's deja vu. Uh, we could be right around the Madoff times. We could be, it's exactly, mm-hmm. it almost seems to coincide with these moments when markets are reeling back as liquidity has been pulled in. And, and there's a, a market cycle here, too. And it's 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 unfortunately um, sad in terms of all the people that were hurt and injured. And there will be more people that we hear about, both from FTX and and other similar type schemes. And and that's where I I do think that these resets in markets are very important in terms of people, as you said, doing the work, understanding where fundamentals and the reality of we talk about long duration assets and, and growth at all costs. I mean, these are pie in the sky type of of situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we let's go back to Scott Cohen. He's got more details uh, on when Elizabeth Holmes starts to, has to start serving her sentence. Scott. Yeah, uh, she she will be going to prison, uh, according to Judge Edward Davila, who says she must surrender by April 27th. So he is not allowing her to go free on on bail pending her appeal. Although she can make that uh, that uh, argument to the Court of Appeals and ask that that be reversed. Um, we're hearing now from our producer, Jill Silvestri, in the courtroom. The family is hugging one another. The, the Elizabeth Holmes' mother, who's been here every day throughout, is, is, looks just devastated, sitting down and crying. Everybody is, is hugging one another. Um, again, she uh, is being uh, ordered to go to prison on April 27th uh, following her conviction, her sentence now, 11 years in this epic Theranos fraud. Do we know how far along her pregnancy has got? I'm curious as to whether or not their April date had anything to do with when uh, her baby was due to be born. Um, It it looks like she's pretty far along, but I'm no good judge of that. Um, (laughs) uh, So so that may have something to do with it. Uh, I also want to correct something. I said earlier that she did not apologize to her patients. She did, in fact, as we get a a fuller account of um, of what she said in her very tearful appeal there. So. So she, she, she is taking some responsibility, but the judge didn't see that as necessarily sincere. And he talked about that in his, in his uh, uh, sentencing as he pronounced it this afternoon. All right, Scott, thank you. Again, Elizabeth Holmes sentenced to 11 years in prison. She'll have to surrender herself to prison in April. We've got much more Fast Money right after this. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customer 
customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com, that's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Foot Locker jumping higher today on the heels of a strong earnings report. The retailer citing strong demand and same-store sales, increasing its fourth quarter and full-year guidance. It was the company's first report under new CEO Mary Dillon. Karen, you're a huge fan of hers. I am a huge fan of hers, and I'm a shareholder of Foot Locker. Uh, it actually opened up about $5 or so, and ended up the day, I think, up to three, closer to 3 bucks. But I thought that it was a very good quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked about the cadence of the quarter as well, which, uh, like a lot of other retailers saw, it dropped off in October. Um, but it sounded like this quarter is going well. I thought she was sandbagging it a little bit. I think that she talked about, or the CFO talked about, gross margins coming down, SG&A going up, some of the initiatives that she wants to do. They did not buy back stock. That didn't thrill me, to be honest. But um, I give her a lot of rope to, you know, transform as she would like. If she can do anything remotely close Mm -hmm. at Foot Locker to what she did to Ulta, there's a lot of upside here, and I don't think a ton of downside. So, you know, if Guy were here, he would say, is it better today, up 288, than it was yesterday? I kind of think it is. I think that guidance was conservative. Why not? Mm-hmm. We always talk about a new CEO. Why not set the bar lower yeah. and hopefully be able to beat? So I liked it. I hadn't thought about uh, the parallels between Ulta and Foot Locker, Karen, until you told me about them. Um, and Jeff Mills, I wanted to get your take in terms of Ulta being sort of the, the, the seller of other brands, right? That's exactly what Foot Locker is, a seller of other brands and how successful she was in transforming Ulta and selling other people's brands. And here we are in Foot Locker. Do you like the stock? Does it interest you? Yeah, that's sort of an interesting comparison. Look, I think even after the move today, you know, it's still three PE turns cheaper versus broad retail than it typically is. So I think you can play the momentum just given the valuation. All right. Time for the final trade. Let us go around the horn. Tim Seymour. I, I think in, in a week where the stock market kind of went sideways but has big gains, the, the rotation back into pharma is, is a place you want to be, especially with some of the big caps that have a bit of growth, but they have valuations that make sense. That's pharma. That's, that's excuse me, that's Pfizer in pharma. <laughs> that's also pharma. Steve Grasso. A stock I've never said on uh, CNBC in all the years I've been on air. Flex, F-L-E-X, breaking out electronic equipment, the whole space on fire. Flex, buy. Jeff Mills. I'd look to fade this 40% rally in semis, so sell the SMH. It hit 228, that downward sloping 200 day. There's more downside. Karen. Well, not surprisingly, my final trade is Foot Locker. All right, that does it for us. Don't go anywhere. Options Action is up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.